Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of One of These Years. Finally, some clarity somewhere, uh, although not all the way. I'm, of course, Nick Bumgarner, along with Chris Burke. We waited until the end of the week, Chris, to uh, talk Lions, because I think we both kind of figured that at least one of these hires was going to be done this week. We were proven correct, as Brad Holmes is the new Lions general manager. Maybe not a guy that was, you know, if we go all the way back to, this, you know, maybe Thanksgiving or December, maybe not a guy that was an immediate... Um, name on a list, but I, I would I would also say that I think that his name was sprinkled out there a little bit. You just had to look for it, but certainly a guy whose um, reputation and everything else sort of climbed along with him in this process, it seemed, and uh, the Lions find their guy. What's, uh, what was your first impression there, Chris, and, and sort of walk us through what you learned about uh, Mr. Holmes? Yeah, it's, um, it's hard to really, you know, there's always the names that sort of jump out at everyone, like, you know, Rick Smith was the guy who had yeah. the experience, and we talked about Ed Dodds a lot, and then you look at Seattle and Baltimore and all these other spots, and it's always tough, because even now, as they are as they have hired homes, you know, there's other teams looking for GMs, and some of them have a list of three or four public finalists, and, like, none of them were on the Lions list of 12 guys they brought in. So there's right, a pretty right. – like, they cast a wide net, and it, it, there's a point where you just have to cut it off because you could just keep going and going and going uh, down this road. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it It seems like it's a, a good hire. It seems like an interesting hire. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly if you look through as you did, you know, you had your post go up um, – yeah. Friday morning, sort of looking back at the Rams draft history. And obviously, you know, he wasn't the guy making those picks. That was the GM, uh, Les Snead there. But um, it's pretty impressive to look back at what they've done in the draft. And certainly he seems to have a, a knowledge for um, what it's going to take on the scou- college scouting side and to get that rolling mm-hmm. and be successful. So you like that. Um, you know, young guy. He's only been with one organization. So, that you know... I, Lions fans are always going to be hesitant, I feel like, and understandably yeah. and they, so. And they, and they should be. Yeah, they should right. be, yeah. Um, but, I mean, I think that there's a – he at least comes with a background that gives you some hope that this is going to translate over. And it's – you know, I've had people mention that it's a similar background to Bob Quinn, but I think some – there are enough differences there uh, to move you mm-hmm. away from, you know, just rehiring the guy you just got rid of. Right, in that – you know, the Rams draft approach has been unique. It's been different and it has yielded um, some really good results. And it's been, you know, not something where, and I and I can understand the hesitancy from some folks and say that, well, you know, what was Bob Quinn before he got here? We really didn't know what he did either. And it was like, well, he, did, he wasn't running their college scouting department and hadn't been for the last seven years and wasn't running a college scouting department that was working on uh, an operation with very little draft capital, probably by design, because they were relying on his eye to just dominate, like, you know, Friday and early Saturday in the draft. Like, it, you know, rounds, really what it was is it seemed like to me that, you know, the strength of their operation or their approach to the draft, because if you look at, you know, Football Outsiders does such a good job with all this stuff, but they have that chart, uh, the 10-year, 5-year, they've split it out where you have draft return versus draft capital, right? So how much you had and how much you got back. In the last five years, the Rams are number six in the NFL, and they haven't had a first-round pick in any of it. So it's like that's that speaks to their ability to say, you know, we trust that Brad Holmes' scouting department is going to be there for us at the end of the top 100 
uh, in the 90s, in the fourth round, in the fifth round, and we're going to get someone probably in the sixth round that we had graded in the second or third. Like that has been a theme if you go back and look at their drafts all the way through, really almost to the point where he was promoted to that spot, although not all the way back, but really, you know, from 15 on, that has been kind of what they've done. And, you know, it got them through a coaching transition. Um, you know, they they opened up 2017 with Sean McVay, who'd never done anything as a head coach. No one knew how that was going to go. They had like no draft picks. They traded up for Goff and got Goff. But then he just continues, you know, that's the, they just continued to find quality talent in the middle of the draft that served as, you know, that's how good teams stay good, I guess is what I would say. You You get your pieces to build around, but you stay good and you stay competitive by continuing to sort of reload yourself with younger pieces that are ready to play either in year one or year two. That's the other thing that you find with a lot of the guys that they scouted was so many guys, Chris, were ready to go immediately or were like full-time starters that were producing on a quality unit in year two. And to me, that's how you rebuild this. And to me, that is how you put the program here, whatever you want to call it, the franchise in a situation where it's healthy. You have to be able to perform in the draft as efficient as possible and without bias or your own personal nitpicky, whatever. And that doesn't seem to be Brett Holmes. He seems to be a very objective, thorough scout who has relied on that for a long time and it's paid off. So we'll see about all the other stuff. But from just a strictly scouting perspective, I feel like this is a massive upgrade over what we had just seen in recent years. And I'm not sure how you argue against that. Yeah. And I mean, it's always, you always kind of wait and see how much of it can translate over you know how much of this was what brad holmes put in place and can bring over to detroit how yeah. much of it was what les sneed had running there and again can brad holmes borrow from those things you don't want to the problem with the bob quinn uh hire you know obviously like you said it wasn't the exact same path he was in the pro scouting wing of that patriots yep. uh, department and we also never really know what anyone below bill belichick really does right. <laughs> the patriots how never. much say yeah. they have um but the other thing is, you know, you, know, you don't want to go copy and an exact, make an exact replica of what the Rams are doing yeah. and bring it over. And I think, to your point, the fact that he, Brad Holmes, has been the guy not just, you know, in the college scouting avenue, but sort of running that thing. You know, that, that he mm-hmm. is the guy who's been uh, assigning scouts. He's been, you know, sort of developing people below him on that organizational depth chart, which we probably will see a couple yeah. of them wind up in Detroit now with him, I would guess. Um, I mean, I guess we'll wait and see on that. But I think yeah, it's right. important that he has had sort of full say over that college scouting wing of the Rams organization and then obviously reports back up to Les Snead, but also does so, as we've kind of learned over the years, with enough say to, you know, he mm-hmm. was the guy who banged the table for Aaron Donald, or one of the guys who banged the table for Aaron Donald. He was um, encouraged them to to make the big draft trade to go get Jared Goff. Um, so, you know, he he's a guy that they trusted enough to go beyond, well, here, just give me your reports on those guys, and then we'll make the decision, which I assume is what's happening in New England most of yeah. the time. And here, he was really a piece of that decision-making process uh, for the draft. And obviously, you now have to plug in on the other side of that, who's going to help you with the pro scouting part, and who's going to help you with those personnel decisions. But uh, I I do think that sort of the jumping off point here is maybe a little more in depth than just, you know, college scouting director and whatever it is, 18 years of the same organization might imply. I think there's a real uh, kind of breadth of knowledge there that he can that he can build on. And certainly everything, 
you know, there's always sort of a flurry of positive reactions when these things happen. But certainly everything that's come out of mm-hmm. Los Angeles uh, has been very complimentary, not just of Holmes, you know, as like a person, but as a guy who's willing um, to learn and as a guy who knows how to work with other people, which I think are both sort of keys. Yeah. There. You said it at the top just a second ago. Um, you're not trying to come in and, and build an exact replica. And I think that just on that alone, um, the ability to have some humility and the ability to have an under, like <laughs> right. to have this approach that like, Hey guys, I mean, we had a good thing going in, in Los Angeles with the Rams. We're not claiming it was perfect. We're not claiming we've found the discovery to ultimate football success. Um, but you know, we have some good ideas and we'd like to grow with you as we go. That's Brad Holmes's approach. It seems, whereas Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia were like, Hey guys, we have all the secrets to how to build a Super Bowl winner. You either listen to us or you don't, and this is how this is going to go. Like that's not going to be a healthy start to any relationship. So based on just that alone, and I think they were going to get this with most anybody they hired in this situation. So I guess that that could be said for others. But you know, it does seem refreshing at least to have someone who you know he's got great ideas. He's had success. You know, we read, um, Jordan Rodriguez's story yesterday about, um, it was a great story. I can't remember when Jordan wrote that story, but about, um, it was Fuller, right? It was Jordan Fuller, Mm -hmm. the, uh, the safety they drafted this year in the sixth round and sort of peeking into their scouting process and inside the department. And it is such a great story because the, the process is so thorough. I mean, it just explains again, how when you have scouts, who understand the importance of scouting prospects early, scouting prospects beyond, you know, the tape, beyond what that number looks like at a 40 time, beyond a cone drill, or how he scrapes the ball out, you know, properly or whatever. I mean, like, those are all important, but, like, the biggest picture has to be the the final say in how you evaluate a prospect. And it seems to me, based on all we've seen, and I... I assume you'll agree with this, Chris, but it seems to me that's kind of his M.O. is just a very, very thorough evaluator of talent who understands the relationship part of that and understands the realities that sometimes things might come across your desk that look a little weird. But if you dig a little deeper, maybe they're not so weird. And I and that that's what that seems to me. He's a PR guy, right? A former PR guy. Yep. He understands that world of it, too. I think that's a big part of it. And I think that they sorely needed something like that. Um at the heart of, of their scouting department. We'll see if all the other things can check off, but at least in that sense, it just does, it gives me more optimism for the Lions that they'll be able to have drafts now going forward that just make sense, just make simple, logical <laughs> sense. Right. And I think that that's, that's step one. That's got to be what it is. Yeah, and I, I think we haven't heard from Holmes or anyone in the Lions organization, you know, beyond just their statements that they put out uh Rod Wood and Sheila Fordham after announcing this but I think even in that you got from Rod Wood you know he mentioned how you know Holmes has uh, a a comfort level with you know sort of the analytics side of things but I also you know that story from Jordan um, you know what's interesting is that it they sort of only take it to a, a point it's not like you know, with the Bob Quinn, Matt Patricia, Patriots thing, you were looking for, mm-hmm. you could just go down the list of the draft prospects you and could, say, right. all right, they need a linebacker. Who has this height, weight, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, three cone time. Like there were four <laughs> or five things that you just checked. Every, if they checked every box, you knew that was going to be yeah. one of the guys that they wanted. <laughs> um, and what was really interesting about that story about uh, Jordan Fuller and sort of the look into the Rams 
uh, draft process is, yeah, they have absolutely, they have that analytic side of it. And it really comes up with part of what they expl- Jordan explained was that it really comes up with how they kind of slot in, you know, where they're expecting guys to go. That's part of the analytics yeah. side of this too, you know, so they had fuller, they sort of figured out that he might be uh, a value at like pick 126. That's where they had them him slotted for value. And they picked him at 199 because everyone else looked at the 40 time and said, well, that's, that's not very good. But they looked mm-hmm. at, uh, they sort of, had, you know, they ran numbers on it and projected him out to be faster than he was on the field that day. Right. They sort of figured that he could, uh, you know, whatever the process is for doing that, could make him a faster player in the pros. And he played faster than that. But also, to your point, scouting it, you know, they liked what they saw when they watched him and they liked his leadership abilities and they liked what he brought to the locker room. And so it's just this whole picture of things and not just, well, does he hit XYZ markers? A lump of clay. Um, <laughs> right. And so yeah, I think exactly. that that's something that, uh, you know, is good to see from a scouting uh, department standpoint. It's obviously, like you said, very thorough. I think I have to imagine also that anyone you bring into that scouting department on the pro or college side will appreciate that too, because you know that your voice is going to matter. It's not going to be, well, you know, I really like this guy. And then they say, all right, thanks. Let's see if he has the right numbers at the combine. (laughs) Right. Uh, It's going to be a real discussion. And I, you know, that's part of what um, I said that, you know, kind of the, the comments out of LA, that's what uh, Sean McVay, one of the things that he said yesterday about Mm -hmm. Holmes was that he's got this understanding. He might not agree with you on everything, but he's willing to, talk things out and and as you pointed out uh you know i can't speak to exactly what the day-to-day um you know communications were between bob quinn and everyone else on that staff and i know he's close with a lot of people on that staff yeah. but that's not the vibe you got that there was just no. a wide open lot of discussions about these things um top to bottom you know it, it felt like there was sort of a there was a line in the sand where beyond that line, Bob Quinn or Matt Patricia, whoever was making the final call was going to make that final call. And that was it. Um, yeah. And so yeah. I think like, yeah, I mean, I think that just that side of it, if this, everything we've heard about home so far is true. Uh, I think that's certainly a step in the right direction and falls into that culture discussion we keep hearing about. Right. And it goes back to, are you scouting? Because scouting professional players and scouting college players, I mean, there's a reason why they have two different departments, right? It's not the same thing. So when you're right. when you're scouting a college player, you're going to want to be able to paint the largest picture you can of this person. And you're going to want to scout players who you can say, okay, he's ready to come in and do something and help us right now because of all the things that like, you know, locker room. What he can do on the field, not necessarily what he does in a sprint time, but is he faster than he looks in shorts, right? Those are things that are real in football. And sometimes it felt like with the Lions, it would boil down to, well, he does A and B pretty well. We can rip everything else about him apart, tear it all down, and then build it up the way we want it to. That's how they drafted it, felt like, half the time. And it's like, you're not finding immediate relief the way that you should be. And you're not, no one's asking you to go into the fifth and sixth round and find like, Hall of Famers or like Pro Bowlers or anything like this, but they're asking you to find guys from rounds two on that can come in and help, that can come in and immediately give you something. And there's just too many examples to the contrary. And I think that that's that's the difference. But going forward, either way here though, Chris, there is this, you know, this is still kind of going to be a we'll see about this higher in that he's never been in the big seat. You know, like we've talked about, you, you never quite know who makes what decision. 
Uh, all the all the praise that's come out of the organization has been glowing. Although the skeptic, you know, among us would tell you, well, that just means they weren't too upset to see him go, right? But like either way, I think it was genuine. But still, some questions, right? Like you know, what are you going to do with your salary cap stuff? I know Mike Nisner's here, but you know, when you look at the whole picture here, what sort of questions do you still have uh, about a hire like this? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that those. The, the issues you're raising there are kind of the big ones, just that we need to see how he's going to manage a roster. And this isn't exactly an easy situation he's landing in. He doesn't have $90 no. million dollars and a bunch of young players on this roster who are going to translate over. Right. You know, This is a very important offseason, uh, not just be, for uh, figuring out what to do with Matthew Stafford, like we've talked about, but you know Kenny Galladay and uh, all these big contracts that are already are, are on the books. Are you keeping... A lot of these guys who maybe didn't play well and maybe don't fit the next system. How are you getting out from under this this kind of trouble that the previous regime left you in? So that's going to be tough. Uh, can they kind of do this on an abbreviated schedule? They're still looking for a coach. I mean, part of the Rams process is that they start, uh, and this was a different story, I think from maybe 2019 on our site. They start like the full draft process in December and most other teams wait until you get to the Super Bowl and the combine and then they start bringing in everyone and all their scouts back and everything and meeting so they're two Mm -hmm. months ahead of the the curve and now he's going to be back in you know the usual schedule with everyone else where you're trying to piece it together from the senior bowl on yeah um so can they pull that off you mentioned Mike Disner I assume he's going to be a big part in this um as the cap guru it's he's a guy who's Mm -hmm. very well thought of around the league he certainly played a role in uh, this hiring cycle, um, you know, I think it's fair to wonder how many of those bad contracts that got handed out in the last yeah. year or two right. are on his shoulders. But you know, they're, Holmes is going to have to lean on some of these people uh, at least to get his footing here over the the next year, and that's why you kind of wait and see too who's going to be here. I assume there will be at least one or two holdovers aside from Mike Disner. Uh, up yeah. top for the Lions, but I don't know. Um, and some guys coming over from the Rams. But in uh, the college scouting, pro scouting thing is interesting. I don't want to say one's necessarily more important than the other because the pro right. scouts are. Say, yeah. No, I, need, I didn't think you did. I was just right. from my <laughs> covering my own tracks here. Um, yeah, totally. You know, the pro scouts are the guys who are watching other teams and helping you with the game plan. And they're, you know, mm-hmm. keeping an eye on guys who might become available there and giving you their reports. But a lot of that, you know, a lot of that, when you're looking for free agents or you're looking for trades or, or guys who are getting released, a lot of that ties back to what you thought of them coming out of school. And so it's, uh, you know, what you get from these, the college scouting realm, uh, you kind of build on and build on and build on for the extent of these players' careers. It's hard to go back the other way uh, and and just sort of throw pro scouts in blind and ask them what they think of guys. So. It's very, very important to have that college scouting background, I guess, is what I'm getting at, and to have someone who knows what they're doing there. And the area that he was in, I mean, he was scouting the Southeast, which if you're going to be in charge of a spot, uh, that's that's where you want to be. That's a pretty high-profile college area. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing is, it's uh, you know, what's it going to be like when you're you know in the office every day? I know people had concerns about where he landed on the – on the org chart and all this, all this other stuff on the website. I don't know how important that all is, but ultimately, uh, you know, I would also <laughs> like to touch on this because I know there were people that were going to look at this and say, well, this is, you know, to hell with this. They didn't get Ed Dodds. They didn't get 
um, you know, a guy out of Baltimore. They didn't get somebody out of Seattle. And, you know, I think the thing to remember that we've talked about this whole time, this whole year, really, when this became pretty much clear that it was going to happen, that the Lions, I just don't think they were ever going to be in a position that they were going to have you know, so much to offer a candidate that had such great options that they were going to get, like, ideal option number one. There was just no way that was going to happen. So when you look at this realistically, when you look at everything, they did bring a ton of people in. I think that's important. I think if I'm if I'm going to make a guess here based on all we've heard and what we've seen, they spent a lot of time talking to the people they brought in about all of the other people in the NFL, including Brad Holmes. I have to think that that was a huge part of this and that they probably understood, you know what, our chances of getting Ed Dodds, uh, you know, a guy who is famous for his, you know, selectiveness and not going to take a job just because you're probably not going to be able to pull that off. So what do, what can you get out of an interview like that? What do you think of Brad Holmes? I don't know how that went, but I'm just saying, to me, the search seemed much more responsible and we'll see how it goes but I think that it looks like anyway, to me, that they kind of did all they could do here. I, I don't know how much I can really bag on them for missing something or whatever. I mean, people could get upset that they weren't able to pry Colbert out of Pittsburgh or Schneider out of Seattle. But that's crazy. Like, what? What? Like, that's that's a crazy ask. So, like, I don't know. I was, I was curious your thoughts of this, of, of how the search has gone from your perspective and, and the GM side anyway. And, and just, you know, the difference between then and now. Yeah, so we've talked a lot about the you know process of the last hire with Bob Quinn and just how they didn't really go as deep as they probably needed to there. They interviewed three people. They let Ernie Corsi from the NFL kind of run that. Uh, it doesn't sound like the Ford family was all that involved, um, whereas this time, you know, Sheila uh, seems very involved in this. And, we, you know, the, I think the other positive you take from it is that uh, it, it does sound in a lot of ways like Chris Spielman's really running point on this. Uh, Barry Sanders was on the radio talking about, you know, sort of all the all the things Spielman was trying to do. And then McVeigh said, you know, Spielman reached out to him like, right. last week to ask him about Brad Holmes. So uh, certainly using those contacts to just kind of filter through what they had. And I think you've got to feel good about that. I don't, I don't know that the Col- Kevin Colbert or this John Schneider thing's really got us all that far down the road if they yeah. got going at all. But I think the you feel good about the fact that they at least tried, at least picked up the phone maybe mm-hmm. and saw what sure. the situation was because, uh, you know, the, they needed to, to cast that wide net. They needed to see what was out there and, and really do a, a thorough job here. And so, um, you know, I think the only curiosity for me is that they didn't bring in more than one guy. Uh, one finalist for an in-person interview. Rod Wood had said that they would kind of narrow it down and then do a couple of these. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, Holmes, it sounded like he had some interest elsewhere. So maybe they felt like they had to just pounce and, and get this thing done, which is fine if he's your guy. But, I, you know, you kind of get the impression that he was maybe by this week was sort of far and away ahead of the field, um, which is interesting because it was a pretty good field. I mean, Ed Dodds yeah. certainly is a really good candidate and uh you know you I don't know that we'll ever find out exactly why he he didn't get to the finish line with them but you know that that's is I mean that's probably the one that stands out right Dodds of yeah. the guys that they didn't of the people yes. they didn't hire like that was the one that made sense in a lot of ways yeah in some ways I was a little impressed that they got him to interview <laughs> I was yeah, actually kind of wondering if the, he would even agree to it but 
Um, no, I mean, I think I think that it's positive that you're. To me, this was a. It came down to a lot about the Ford family, namely Sheila Ford, um, becoming you know an active participant and just get in the game. Get in the game. Don't let someone else make your decisions for you. Don't be a passive owner. Like, don't be a passive team. Like that. I think that that's. When you talk to fans and you talk to people that have followed the Lions for a long time, one of the common frustrations, at least for me, that I hear all the time is they're so passive. They just let this stuff happen to them yeah. and they don't actively respond. They just and, and it's oftentimes when we see the Lions get screwed or something like this happens, and it does, that it seems to me that the only people that are ever upset are the fans because <laughs> it's like <laughs> no one else seems to care. And like that's the impression that they give off, you know, right or wrong. And that's the impression that was given off the last time. And I really do feel like, because, you know, you know, Chris, we've lived here, I've lived in Michigan most of my whole life. I think you have too. We've seen the yep. Lions for years and years. Like, I think that the vitriol this time felt stronger to me than it has in past years, because I think everybody knew it, that they were like, you guys didn't take this serious the last time. You just restarted it on a whim and you just let it happen. There, it wasn't. It wasn't like the Caldwell era was, you know, rocking and rolling to a Super Bowl, and you know, give it one more year, and this thing was going to be. That's not necessarily true, but it wasn't like they were, you know, just to a lot of these guys who made these points over the years. It wasn't like they were falling apart either. And you just got upset. You restart. There was no plan. And I think that, if nothing else, this this showed an active pursuit for a very important, you know, job and a very important offseason and a, what I think is a very important time for the franchise uh, as it relates to, you know, their ownership run here with the family because I mean Sheila Ford Hampson new primary owner and her first first order of business I think so far has been to be firmly involved in these decisions and situations and and has made that I think perfectly clear and I think that is it's not the answer to everyone's problems or concerns here, but I think that that's a pretty good step. And I think that that should be commended on some level. I don't know how much. I don't know if nobody needs to be throwing a ticker tape parade here or anything. But I think that she should be commended <laughs> right. for that because I think that it did feel different. And it felt different because I think Sheila Fordham made it feel different. And I think that that's – if not, if even if this blows up in everyone's face, I think that is still important to note on some to some degree. Yeah, I mean, relative to – how these searches has gone with previous members of her family, I guess you have to be yeah. impressed. I mean, to have the owner involved in this shouldn't be, I mean, it shouldn't be all that noteworthy. The owner should no. be pretty involved yeah, in right. this. So uh, I think he, yeah, like relative to the past searches, I think, um, you know, it's something that you at least take note of in it. It also, you know, like, eventually one of these things has to work. Like if this doesn't yeah. work, I don't yeah. know what else you really right. try, frankly. Like you're kind of at the the point here where, you know, you now you've really thrown it open and you've, I mean, I guess the, the only other thing that they haven't tried is just like throwing every dollar they have at someone who's already right. established. Right. And uh, I don't know how realistic that is. And, you know, hopefully for, for their sake, for the fans' sake, it never comes to that because this one clicks. But it was interesting to hear you talk about them being very active here and not being passive in the GM search because I, there's a little part of me that's starting to worry that's what's happening yeah, with the yeah. coaching search. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Sala is now right. uh, the Jets head coach. Arthur Smith was supposed to be their first, second interview um, and an in-person interview, which – you know, not necessarily. Again, they said they were going to do this with a few people for each job, so I don't know that they were ready to hand Arthur Smith a contract. But Brad Holmes 
was the first in-person interview for GM and he got a contract. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, but yeah, Arthur Smith now looks like he's headed to Atlanta. They missed out on Sala. They got to wait to do in-person interviews with, you know, Dan Campbell, Eric Bieniemy, yeah. uh, Todd Bowles. If they want to add Brandon Staley there from the Rams, like they can't interview those guys till they're out of the playoffs. So what do you do? I mean, what are, what's the plan between now and then? Are, are you still waiting for these guys? Or are I you just, think, I, yeah, I don't know what they're I, doing. I think that it got to, um, and you mentioned earlier about, you know, the one thing maybe curious about the search was how it got, it was so broad. And then it got to the end and it just bang, it just happened. And, you know, like you said, part of that could be that they just loved Brad Holmes and were like, you know, this is our guy. But also I would do wonder if, because they got to a point where if you have two jobs open, you know, it's a nice idea to hire the head coach first, but I don't think that's practical at all. I, I just don't. Um, so you really have to weigh the tension between the two, like the timing, um, their options. You know, Holmes had another interview with Atlanta. I think he had two with Atlanta. So you have to weigh the competition a little bit here now. And and it does feel like this is the point in time where having two jobs open as opposed to one um, is going to catch up with them a little bit. And like if, if Roberts – but again – I would also say this. They had Robert Sala in, what, two Mondays ago? Last Monday, yeah, whatever it was? Right. Yep. I don't know, man. But like, I feel like if they wanted to get Robert Sala back in here for an interview in person, they could have done it without any problem, and they didn't do it. So that tells me that they were okay moving on from him. That That's that's what that looks like to me. I don't know if that's true or if he just said, I don't want to go here. I want to go to the Jets because they have better draft picks or whatever else. But that's what it feels like, unless he told them no. So I guess we'll, you know, we'll have to wait and see, or whatever, or maybe we'll never find out. But I do think the timing is starting to become a, a thing that they've got away here. And, and like you said, you know, there's still some candidates out there. And I also think that we're both kind of in agreement that by hiring Brad Holmes, who's 41, uh, although Brad has been in the NFL for a long time, it's been like almost 18 years, 19 years, something like that. That maybe this suggests the Lions are going to look at a more veteran coach. Uh, would we be in agreement on that or not a certainty, but maybe that's, maybe that's possible. <laughs> yeah. Not, not a certainty. I, I mean, I think that that was the general feeling at the start was that mm-hmm. they'd like to sort of mix uh, one experienced voice, maybe with one younger one, but sure. Uh, then you're kind of boxing yourself in, right? Yeah, I mean, right. then it's Marvin Lewis or Todd Bowles or. And Dan Campbell's not that experienced. I, I so I don't know. Daryl Bevel, yeah, like right. Bevel and Campbell are kind of in the same boat where. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess Bevel's been a coordinator. Campbell's been, you know, assistant head coach, but similar situation to Bevel where he stepped in mm-hmm. midseason, you know, didn't get the full-time job, was candidate for the full-time job. Um, and, and, yeah, so I don't know if that qualifies to them as being experienced. I mean, I think it's also – I mentioned this in our latest update to the to tracker. You know, this is – it's it's always kind of a pain if you're hiring a coach because you if you want the guys who are playing in the playoffs, you've got to wait till the end yeah. of the playoffs to do yeah. it. But even in past years, like the Matt Patricia thing, and not that you want to hold that up as a great example of doing it right, but the Matt right. Patricia uh, situation, I mean, you used to be able to go do in-person interviews with these people the week between the conference championship and the and Super, Super Bowl, Bowl. Yeah. which you, you know, still puts you another week and a half down the line from where we are now. But, um, the Lions went and met with Patricia for five hours in that like off week that the mm-hmm. NFL has, and they can't even do that this year. You know, you have to do. I mean, I guess you could do another Zoom call with Eric Bieniemy or Dan Campbell or you know right. whoever else if they're still going. But I think the preference is to have them come do uh, something in person. So 
I don't know. I mean, what if they if they wait if they're not hiring a coach till February tenth or whatever it ends up being? Yeah. How how tough is that on what happens the rest of the off season? It depends on what you're. It depends on what you're trying to do. I think if you're trying to hire um, somebody like Dan Campbell, who would be, you know, and Dan Campbell's a candidate. We talked about this a little bit in the either the tracker or another story last week or this week. That but Dan Campbell is the the unique candidate in that he's not a, he's not a coordinator. So he's an assistant head coach or associate head coach, and he's you know he's a position coach, but he's known as a leader um, who can relate to players, who gets players, who understands what they're going through, understands football and is a leader. You know, I think like John Harbaugh, I think is always the guy I think of when, and even though he was a special teams coordinator, but John was not an offensive wizard or a defensive wizard or anything when he was hired in Baltimore, but he's just a football guy who is a natural leader who understands you know, how to how to meet a guy at his level. And I think that that's worked out very well in a really unique situation for a long, long time. That's the the dream scenario there. So if you're hiring somebody like that um, in that situation, maybe it's not that big of a deal because like your offense can just be predicated on whatever you're scouting. If you're just looking at, we're just trying to find the best players and if we're bringing Stafford back anyway, right? If, if that's what you're trying to get in here is maybe not something as rigid to where if you if you hired someone like Arthur Smith or you wanted to and obviously he's you can do that right now and doesn't look like that's going to happen but for the sake of this conversation like if you hired Arthur Smith it would stand to reason that you're going to have to draft uh something that fits Arthur Smith's offense immediately right like that would make a lot of sense if you hire someone who maybe doesn't have their own offense so rigid like that then maybe it's maybe it's a little easier but then again I don't know that that's true either that's just looking at not ideal I don't think any of it would be ideal to wait that long no I I think that you know I think that they're going to need if they want Dan Campbell to I think they're going to need the Saints to lose this weekend you know what I mean like that's kind of where I'm looking at it and saying right yeah you're going to need to you're going to need to talk to him you know or you're going to need to be okay with if you really like him you know you're going to be you're going to need to be okay with the research you've done. Otherwise, you know, do you want to wait? And part of that also might you know depend on how quickly some of these other jobs fill here in the next couple of days. What uh, Atlanta's zeroing in on Smith, Solly to the Jets already. Urban Meyer took the Jaguars job, so you know we're getting down to it here. So you know we'll see sort of what the competition looks like. Is there? Do you think there's a way to just in this experience, inexperienced discussion? And again, I I don't want to overlook you know, 18 years of experience for Brad Holmes, especially as no. a college scouting yeah. director, like that, that's legitimate experience. But if you're talking about, cause I don't, I don't want to rule out the possibility that it's Holmes and Campbell or Holmes and sure. someone who hasn't been a head coach before Marvin Lewis in the NFL, yeah, right. yeah. Um, yeah. you know, so I guess my, my question is, can you, can you bridge that gap at all by, you know, they've, they've got guys internally who have been around for a long time. You know, Jimmy Ray's interviewed for a, bunch of GM mm-hmm. jobs in the past he, you know he's senior personnel executive has been there for I don't what uh, 20 years something Long Lance time. Newmark's yeah. been there for a couple decades um Kyle O'Brien was you know kind of second in command uh to Quinn and it's he uh, was like briefly on the Giants GM list a few years ago so the, you know you've got some guys there you could also go outside and I don't know maybe see like some of these other names that have come up like maybe you see if Jerry Reese or Scott Pioli or someone wants to come mm-hmm be your assistant GM. And, and I guess you could do that uh, on the coordinator front too. Like if you hire a first time coach and you get a really experienced coordinator, sure. like does any of this bridge the gap from for, for you to where you're not in a, yeah, a I spot think you could, where it's just, everyone's going in 
fresh. <laughs> I think you can do that. I think that a lot of times it depends on the personalities, though. You know, and that's the thing that that where it all lands. And if if Brad Holmes is who all, all all these folks say he is, then his personality would suggest that he's going to lead an operation that is as egoless as you can make it in football, which is uh, not normal. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, well, yeah. As egoless as you can make it in football is going to be quite a bit different than as egoless as you could make it at like a bank, okay? Like just for, <laughs> just for the sake of explaining to people maybe who don't, you know, I mean, we don't work in football, but we work around it every day, and we know how these people are. So I think that it's important to remember that that's that's always going to be, you know, a topic of conversation probably in there that nobody's going to want to have their legs cut out from under them or anything like that. But yeah, no, I think that if you hire the right people, you can absolutely bring in, you know, people that are there to serve in mentor roles that are there to work alongside or work with or work to help. You know, I think that there we've seen examples of that countless times throughout the years, you know, little maybe not even somebody who's there that long. But just, you know, if, if you're worried about a certain situation or what have you, then I think you can do a lot of that sort of thing. Um, but it's it's going to depend on, you know, personality fit how well they know the a lot of times we see stuff like that where an older coach maybe comes back to help a younger coach because they have a relationship and he's going to be selfless and just you know kind of help the guy out you know we've seen that a lot we've seen that maybe that happens in you know in this case too in the front office I don't know but uh he seems to be the type of guy that if you're going to pull something off pull something off like that you know you know that 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 seems like the type of operation that could have it in whereas you know if you're talking somewhere where we have rigid org charts where nobody talks to this person because that's not their job, you know, then you know, that's a different story altogether. Though it doesn't seem like that's Brad Holmes that or going to be his MO. So I guess we'll see how that shakes out. I, I'm just still trying to wrap my head around the like Marvin Lewis, Todd yeah. Bowles idea. And to Todd me, Bowles, and yeah. I mean, maybe you can, maybe you have a different opinion to me. I, I'd probably have Marvin Lewis ahead of Todd Bowles if I yeah, was I ranking agree candidates right this second yep, but agree. um i don't think either of those hires is going to get people fired up about this this thing moving forward necessarily in the local market i just wonder is is there anyone that even like i guess eric the enemy maybe like is yeah. there anyone that would be super exciting do you think that if they made a hire that the day you know the, the next 48 hours lions fans right. were just super saying. fired yeah. up about what this partnership is going to be and i don't i don't know maybe dan campbell like would people be excited if dan campbell's the hire i don't think anyone's going to be like i don't think it's going to be a, the only way they're going to get a unanimous or close to unanimous like explosion that we sometimes see when when all the fans are just like oh my god this is it's finally happening <laughs> Uh, you know, like, which, you know, in my experience, doesn't always work out the way that fans think it's going to happen. But right. anyway, uh, that's a separate conversation, another podcast. But like if they hired like Lincoln Riley or something, right? Mm. Like if they went into the college ranks and were able to pull, you know, a really good college coach that's an up and coming and, you know, a guy like. And there's not that there's not even that many of those right now, to be quite honest. Um, I think Campbell would be pretty well received. I think I don't think Marvin Lewis would be like. Oh my God! You know, like what a night. Maybe, but like I think Marvin Lewis at least has yeah. the respect from, you know, dedicated football fans, long, long-standing football fans who know Marvin Lewis is the guy who you know basically dragged the Bengals into, you know, playoff contention for like what was it like ten years in a row, twelve years in a row, something like. I mean, he didn't win a game, but I mean, it's the Bengals. I mean, what are we talking about here? So, I think that at least on that sense, you know, Todd Bowles has had a job too, but it, it didn't go well, and I think that. You know, I would say Campbell of that group is probably the one that would probably draw the most. Maybe Bienemy would, but like Bienemy also has the same thing 
where what we're talking about here, where it's like, and I guess Campbell, it's the same conversation, even though he has been an interim coach, but like with the it's, he's never been a head coach before. Um, do we don't know what the dynamic between he and Andy Reid is every single game? We know what they maybe say. And even though they don't really say a lot. So, you know, you're rolling the dice at this point, almost no matter what it feels like. Um, and that was probably going to be the case anyway, as I don't know if there was any coach in this cycle that I looked at and said, okay, well, do they have a realistic chance at this person? And would that person be like a slam dunk? And I'm not sure that that person existed in this. I haven't seen that person yet. I don't know. People might think that's Robert Solly. I, I, I mean, I would, I'm sorry. I mean, he might be great, but I mean, we're going to have to see, you know, with a guy like that, that would be the case whether he was here or not. So that's kind of how I look at it. I don't know. I don't know if there's a hire that they can make as a head coach that would get everybody just like to fall out of their chair. Um, certainly yeah. not in the in the group that they have left. I mean, Bevel probably wouldn't excite <laughs> that many people. I can't imagine. And this is not an offense to Daryl Bevel, but I can't imagine fans would be lining up to, you know, buy a virtual ticket or a real ticket one way or the other. Uh, <laughs> if it, if it were Bevel, maybe you know that might have to be like a wait and see type situation. And we talked about this. Like if you were to hire Bevel, I would almost think like if you were going to do that you'd have to have in your in the back of your mind like okay well after like 15 or 20 games we're going to have to see where this is at and be ready to make a move if it's not working because there wouldn't be a reason to just let that go because you just saw it you know for 2 yeah. years so you know it's it's tough i don't know it's uh i think there's good options but i'm not sure that there's option there's no slam dunks and then there's not going to be an option that i don't think that anybody's going to just be like whoa i can't believe that you know Maybe. Yeah, and that, that's part of what we don't know. We don't really know what Brad Holmes, and we haven't talked to him yet. He hasn't right. haven't done his introductory press conference yet. Um, I texted him and haven't heard back, so <laughs> <laughs> maybe he'll get back to me. Um, right. We'll let you know. But, yeah, we, uh, we, we don't really know what the vision is here. Um, yeah. You know, if this is going to be – because Marvin Lewis – Marvin Lewis, I feel like, gets you back to a much stabler baseline. I agree. I agree. Um, and you might not be eleven and five every year. You might have a couple yeah. five and elevens, but you're at least at a spot where the locker room's going to be fine, and right. uh, you know you're going to be competitive most years. And so that's at least stabilizes. You're going to have adults in there too. Like Marvin Lewis is, he doesn't put up with bullshit. Like so, that's not a uh, yeah. I agree totally. And I think that I mean there, you certainly could argue if that's the higher that it kind of just takes you back to where you were maybe <laughs> Jim Caldwell to some extent but yep. uh, maybe you need that maybe, maybe that's you your first that. step yeah, back right. um, but we don't know whether or not Brad Holmes views this as a tear down and a rebuild or if he's coming mm-hmm. in here and thinking all right I see a lot of things that I like and I think that you know you kind of go back through as we said go back and look at the Rams how they've approached you know the draft and trades and things like that and I think you know the one that jumps out is going to get you know, the trade, like, what was the trade for? Whatever the trade was for Goff. Um, oh, yeah. I forget what all they gave up for him, but it was a ton. But, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and that's a trade that, as I said, Brad Holmes pushed for. And one of the reasons he pushed for it is because he argued rightly, correctly, that right. you can't win without a quarterback that you can build around in this league. And so the, if you're sort of looking for things, to, you know, kind of connecting the dots here, does that mean he has a quarterback in Detroit that he wants to build around <laughs> or right. that that makes the first round pick a lot more likely to be a quarterback? I, I don't know. I don't know that we know those answers yet, but I think that that's one of the first things that it'll be interesting to hear from him is if he 
is viewing this as like, here's my three or four year plan to get this back or no, I just think they made some mistakes, but this is, this isn't in better shape than the record says. And I, I don't know. Do you have a read on that? Uh, no. And I think that, you know, we could read the tea leaves on what Rod Wood has said, um, in that, and it, it, it would kind of jibe with what they've said the last couple of years that they don't believe that they're eons away from having, you know, like that you have to sell off all assets um, and start completely over and see what happens, which, you know, the argument could be made that uh, that that's the case. But I, I just don't know if I don't know if I see that happening. I, I think that the based on Brad Holmes's resume and sort of skill sets and the things that he does best, it seems to me that the plan would be, um, you know, right now anyway, would be to get him in here, build your scouting department, start identifying what you need and just start going out there, in, you know, immediately in the draft and start searching for players who can come in here and make you, you know, 2% better at, at X position or what, you know, and just get better and then see sort of where it goes maybe on some level. I guess if you hired a coach like Bienemy who comes in here and installs a very specific offense and that's what you're going to run your, you know, build your franchise around, that'd be maybe a separate situation. But I don't think that's that can be what this is. I think that you're going to have to try to improve as best you can as you kind of go and sort of like clean up as you go, right? Like if you're like remodeling your kitchen and you're you're living there still. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like we talked about those contracts earlier and, you know, it's important yeah. to note that you know, maybe, and you said, you know, maybe Mike Disner, you know, maybe some of his fingerprints are on some of those, but also I would, I would note maybe Mike Disner's fingerprints are on the fact that they have outs, reasonable outs in a lot of those contracts. So if you can sort of get some of those off the books and sort of, you know, clean up as you go and just be like absolutely amazingly consistent in the draft with just making sure that you are not wasting picks and you are adding value no matter what, um, immediate value as best you can, then I think that it's not impossible to suggest that maybe there'd be a path for them to not have to blow the whole thing up. But, you know, obviously there's going to be less room for, you know, less margin for error in that plan. Um, but again, this is the NFL. It's competitive league. I, I just don't, I don't know how much stomach people have for just sitting around waiting for three years. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think that they're probably going to try to do exactly that as clean as they go and, just try to get better every pick and see if it can and, and not be tied to this ridiculous rigid plan that is like what who is this even serving what are we even doing here like that was the la- the last several years it's what it felt like so i think that in this maybe i'm wrong but in this sense that's what it seems like it's just going to be clean up as you go and and sort of try to get better every single day somehow uh and then you know you look up at the end of the year and hopefully you're in a better place and you just keep going i think that that's probably the best way to do it in the nfl right now yeah, it's it's hard to narrow it down too much right now too without knowing the head coach because yeah, uh, you know, like really you said, is. Eric Bieniemy is that's probably a very specific system coming in. And Marvin uh-huh. Lewis, you can draw on sixteen years. Oh yeah, with the sure. Bengals to know exactly what he wants to try to run, and Todd Bowles too. But like Dan Campbell, I have no idea. <laughs> like, right, it's probably something like what the Saints are running on offense. I would, I guess, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, so I, I think that there's. That's still kind of the the wild card out there is what exactly is this going to look like on offense and defense because that also you know sort of dictates what Brad Holmes maybe needs to do uh, over mm-hmm. the next yes. year or two, especially over the next three four months. So uh, 
I hate to not have answers for people because I know that's a question that we kind of get, like what's the next move for Brad Holmes or what's the first couple moves here? And I, I don't think we can really even guess at it until uh, the coach is in place. But um, it'll be interesting to see sort of how it meshes and how much they let him be involved in that process. I think that's the other thing now because right. I'm assuming like I'm maybe he's in on this Todd Bowles interview that is happening like as we're recording but right. he hasn't been in any other first interviews so i i don't know that he would be and uh if they're t- trying to keep it separate as they have then right. maybe he's not in on any of them so i don't know but i think you're right i think to some extent now that you have the gm in place they haven't done any second interviews with anyone uh on the coaching side i think you gotta let him have some sort of say here um and maybe Chris Spielman, too, is like he's not a guy who's coming from a front office background, but in theory, he maybe can be your guy that you're bouncing ideas off of, too, in that building, yeah, I, think I would so. think, to some extent. I mean, you don't want him doing too much because then you kind of risk uh, overlapping responsibilities or Spielman, you know, getting in the way yeah. of things. But I, I think that that's sort of the value of having him there, too, is uh, that he can help you out on that side. I th- so I do think that Spielman, really quick, I think that. The value that he brings that gets understated or probably not explained enough, maybe, would be I feel like his bullshit detector would be just better. Like his ability yeah. to spot a fraud. Like if you have a really big yeah, guy who I'm a big tough football guy, I, you know, and he's not really a big tough football guy, that's not going to work. And there's only, you know, <laughs> I'm not trying to totally put this all back to Patricia, but like I can't imagine <laughs> Chris Spielman. No. Would have been it, you know what I mean? Like he probably would have spotted it. Like this probably isn't going to work the way you think it's going to work, guys. Like he's talking you into a situation, you know what I mean? Like I think that Chris Bielman's experience as a player, as someone who played at the highest of levels in college, in the professional ranks for a long, long time, has been around football people like this forever. He knows what's what's real and what's not. Who's a fraud and who's not a fraud. I think that that's what you're trusting here. Is you're trusting that Chris Bielman was able to bring. Rodwood and and Sheila Ford Hamp, a you know a BS detector that would allow them to avoid falling into traps, and and hopefully for them that's that's sort of what's happened here. Yeah, and just to be fair, but Chris Spielman was very supportive of Bob Quinn as a GM sure. and thought he was going to get this turned around. Uh, and that doesn't mean that the Brad Holmes hire is destined to fail or anything, but that's coming from outside. That was outside you know, the, and him outside being, the organization, yeah. and and I'm sure some of that is coming from Chris Spielman just being as desperate as everyone else is for the being Lions a nice to be good. nice guy trying to be hopeful. I think that that's <laughs> like probably, the Lions yeah. want to, he wants the Lions <laughs> right. to win, and that's who their GM was, and so he's hoping that he's the right guy. But, exactly. I, yeah, I think you're right. I think that, that just having that ability to read people helps. I think, as I mentioned, being able to just be like, well, let me let me call up Sean McVay and see what he thinks about sure. Brad Holmes. Like, and just he's going to give you a real answer. Yeah, exactly. Those contacts who are willing to talk to him and willing to give yeah real answers, mm-hmm. and, and he's got a – a league-wide Rolodex of those things, um, you know, where he could just dial up anyone and get thoughts on anyone else. And I think that that's, you know, that's the reason they went out and got Ernie Accorsi to help them last time because they didn't have anyone who could do that. They didn't know who to even lean on in this process. And now you've got a guy in-house who can do that. Uh, And then you add in, you know, the, the advisory committee that they have. And again, I think the process here, at least at GM was good, and at coach, we'll wait and see how it finishes. I mm-hmm. guess. I mean, I, I just the worry at coach now as we get back to, and you don't need to excite the fan base. You got to hire the coach you think is the right guy. You don't need to worry about whether he's going to 
sell tickets necessarily based on his name. But I think the concern now is this drags on another couple weeks. You don't end up with like Eric Bieniemy or someone exciting, and you end up hiring Marvin Lewis on February 10th, <laughs> and people are like, well, what yeah. has been happening uh, for the last month? Um, I think that Dan Campbell and the Saints need to lose this weekend, Chris. I think that's what needs to happen so that they can get this thing wrapped up. But like this, yeah, like you can't wait forever. You just can't do it. Can't do it. All right. Well, uh, so we kind of waited this week to record, yeah. right? So maybe we'll do. Uh, I don't know. We don't really have a set schedule here. We're sort of reading off the lions right. <laughs> as we go forward. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I think the game, these games this weekend, will have probably a, a say in this because I mean, if you're looking at who's left, Campbell, Bevel, Lewis. You would have to think Campbell's probably toward the top of that, and then you know you'd have to wait and see, sort of. And Bulls, yeah, and Bulls, um, and I guess you know Todd Bulls is playing this weekend too. But you know, I think actually as we're recording here, Rap Sheet, Ian Rapaport has reported that he believes Campbell is the favorite. But again, you can't do anything until their season's over. So you know, this weekend is going to be one way or the other. I, I, I would think that if you're a Lions fan and you want this thing to be over, you're probably rooting for the Saints to lose. But I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, all those teams, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> just exactly. get everyone out. Yeah, and just everyone go interview who yeah, you want. Right, yeah, like, so we can all get out with our lives, right, one way or the other. But, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think this weekend's games will have an impact on it, though, one way or the other. It's sort of the the NFL hiring process is just insane. I don't I, – I mean, this is just a crazy couple weeks every year, but people get through it. Yeah, we can't even do the flight trackers this no, year. No, no. I guess that's just, a college thing yeah. more than an NFL. But it's not even a college <laughs> thing anymore because now you got these – well, maybe not anymore because all these teams are having to rebuild their – Bank accounts, but you know, you used to have the Dave Brandon sent the plane to the wrong place the one time. I don't know if you remember that, but <laughs> well, <laughs> separate. Yeah, right. so, they've done it better, yeah. so the yeah. process has been better than their last time and there better than most of the Dave yeah. Brandon, Brandon yeah. Uh, experiences. So, right. um, anyway, all right. Well, uh, I guess I'll just thank everyone again for mm-hmm. subscribing to us and listening and being patient uh, when we have weeks like this and we. You know, we yeah. didn't want to record and then have it be worthless five hours later, so we were kind of holding off. Uh, so sorry to drop it on you right on the weekend, but you can listen to it while you're watching games. And uh, find us on uh, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, a bunch of other spots. You know, rate, review. Um, anything else to, to sign us off with today? No, hopefully uh, middle of next week. Hopefully. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that's a guess. I have no idea. But hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. This is over with. Yeah. All right. Well, Brad Holmes, the new Lions GM, wait and see at the head coach, and uh, we'll be back to talk about it all uh, when it makes sense to do so, I guess. (laughs) So thanks to everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.